marks uh, one year of Sundays. You know, ministering through a pandemic uh, as a culture in the last year, we've had a long overdue look at racial inequality. The only thing I can say is it's been quite a season of political intensity, a, con- conti- a continued redefining of sexuality and gender. Uh, as Canadians, even this week, we are once again wrestling with an ongoing look at the sanctity of life from the womb to the tomb. And in the church, there is this concurrent small R reformation uh, where the Holy Spirit is revealing painful things in the lives of leaders and denominations which need to come to light. And I have full confession this morning that God started something in the first service, and I know it hasn't lifted off my heart. And so the, oh, the, the utter sense of being inadequate and overwhelmed is, is for me, is palpable in this moment. Because there is a spirit of repentance that God is unleashing against his church because we have adopted the spirit of Achan. It's not for another church. I'm speaking to Life Center. It's the only church that I can speak to. You know, the honest question that Scripture asks me and it asks you is, in all things, do we genuinely trust God? And the honest answer is that none of us do. Sure, we may trust God in some places completely, but in others, perhaps not at all. And I say nothing this morning from a place of shame. I say nothing as a beat down or a put down. And if you don't hear the heart, I believe, of what the Holy Spirit's trying to say, you may hear legalism. Oh, man, but I pray that you hear love. See, in the story we're about to share, the truth is that we're all aching, but for the work of Jesus. You know, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus speaks about a sin that is unpardonable. You know, it's not unpardonable in the sense that God stops being all-powerful or the work of Jesus is not a finished and complete work unable to, do with, to deal with any and all sin. Yet what makes any sin unpardonable, and I know in specific here it's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the revealer of what is true. And the truth is that you and I can so thoroughly live a lie that we no longer see any need of repentance at all. And so it's not, again, that God is not powerful, but we can live in such a way where our conscience becomes seared and we would never even think to turn to Jesus for saving, for healing, for rescue, or for redemption. I know that's a whole message in and of itself. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, levels the ground for every one of us. For we have all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. In other words, Paul is saying that we're all Achans. Let me fill you in in case you don't know who Achan is. In 1300 BC, Israel had this really famous victory over a fortified city called Jericho. It was an impossible victory, impossible that God made possible. But God made something very, very clear. As the children of Israel moved through the wilderness on the way to the promised land, God made something very, very clear. 
than each and every time that they would push through a city on their way again to the promised land where God would move on behalf of the children of Israel to establish them in the land of promise. That every time that they went through a different city, that there was a temptation there. And there was a temptation, and it's called synchronicity, where you begin to take the things of God and the things that you like that this city does, and you sync those up in your heart and life. And so through every city, there were these things called the devoted things, and they were to be reserved for the Lord. They weren't good or bad things. They were just things that were reserved for God. And they weren't for the children of Israel to touch or to take. Because in doing so, it would not only be sinning against God, it would not only be individual sin, but it would create tribal sin and ultimately sin within the nation. You know, if we look at our world today, here's what we can see. We can see that greed is sin, but greed in the heart of one person who rises to the top, perhaps, of an organization, that that greed can actually not, can move from a personal sin to a corporate sin, and the effects of it can be devastating. We've seen it time and time again where executives take multiple millions of dollars of bonuses and employees lose entire pensions. We can see not just the inequality in it, but the injustice of it. But it didn't start there. It starts with every little rationalization around the way. It starts with the sin of greed being absolutely unchecked in the human heart. This can also happen with slander. This can happen in many different ways, in in every way where sin is present. And so here we have this example where God says to the children of Israel, don't touch the devoted things. They're, they're, They're the Lord's. They're just leave them. Devoted things are known as karams. They are divinely ordained the destruction of things. That's what they were. Don't touch them. Here we see in Joshua chapter 6, verse 18, on the heels of overcoming Jericho, where God did an impossible victory. The Lord says, keep yourself from the, devoted, the things devoted to destruction. Least when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and watch this. So you take the devoted things, and therefore what you have touched is sin and destruction. You make the entire camp unclean. You make the entire camp, it says here, of Israel a thing of or for destruction, and then you bring trouble upon it. You know, for Israel, they weren't better than Jericho or better than Ai, but they were called to be different from Jericho and different from AI. Very much like we read in the New Testament that you and I are in the world, but we're not of the world. If we don't understand that, we can be arrogant and prideful thinking that we're better than, and then this series becomes Be More Like Us. And part of what the culture is vomiting back on the church is the message of become, we have preached a message in the church that says become more like us, but we didn't live it in private. As leaders, we didn't live the things that we proclaim publicly. And so there is a wretch that happens when others that level of hypocrisy. And that's part of what you and I are living through in this season. But this series isn't become more like us. It's all of us need to become more like Jesus. But we as the church, I don't know how different we are from the world in which we live. I'm not so sure in some ways 
So again, for Israel, again, this wasn't a better than. It was a different from. This was not a culture war. This was not engaged in a warfare of cultures. It wasn't a culture war. It was a call to appropriately worship. And it's the same today when you and I touch devoted things. It's not as though they're at war with this culture. No, 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 no. We are, there is a war for our worship that we get sucked in on. It's the Holy Spirit in this moment. My words are so insignificant and lack the ability to do anything. But Holy Spirit, would you baptize us with a spirit of repentance today that only comes from you? Because if you do that, it brings life. And then if it isn't present, God, then it's not life-giving. And Lord, all we want is life. And so Achan, he disobeys. It wasn't that he didn't know. He disobeys. By taking devoted things and he hides them under his tent, no one knows and no one sees. But God both knows and God sees. For Achan, you can read this story in such an individualistic way. Or you can see it in the sense of what God is trying to do in a community. Because this is not only a sin against God, it's a sin against his family. It's a sin against the tribe of Judah that he was a part of, and ultimately it's a sin against the nation of Israel. And in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1, it says, but the people of Israel, it says they, they broke faith in regards to the devoted things for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, he took some. He didn't take them all, but he just took some of these devoted things. These things that were not his to take, but God's to provide. They were, they were, they were not his to steal. They were God's to bless. Remember, this was a time and season where God was loving and leading the children of Israel through their disobedience, but providing for them manna and quail, pillars of fire by day and cloud of night, and they were leading and loving and overcoming city after city. But every time there was this challenge, don't touch those idols, don't touch those devoted things in the city. And Achan does, and it says, the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. You know, just as it was in 1300 BC, it hasn't changed today that sin carries a series of lies that all of us fall prey to in our hearts and in our lives. You know, the first lie is that sin can be measured in size. For here, Achan just took some things you know, we don't, we don't use language like this today. We just use language like, well, it was just a little lie. Or I didn't, it's not like I, it's not like I touched her. It's just porn. Or 
It's not like I spoke about them to their face. I just spoke about them behind their back. I say none of these things is a beatdown. I just say this, this is the spirit of the world in which we all live that is we're tempted all the time. You and I are constantly tempted to not abide in Christ, to not abide in the righteousness of God that is imputed upon us by the work and the finished work of Christ alone. We are tempted to abide in our own self-righteousness. It's the spirit of the Pharisaical prayer that Jesus highlighted where a Pharisee would say, God, thank you that I'm not like. And I don't know if you can be online, social media, news, live in the world in which we live. That spirit is so powerful and present. And it is so seductive. And it feels so good. 30 years ago, John Cleese, 30 years ago, talked about that one of the easiest things in the world to do is to draw a line. And when you draw a line and make an enemy, it is the most seductive thing to do because then you can blame everything that's wrong with the world on them and impudiate yourself from any responsibility. It's the culture in which we live. And the second lie is that sin can be hidden. And he hides it under his tent as if God lost sight of where it went. Our our Christian witness is so battered. By leaders like me. Or leaders, I should say that we see. We all got stuff, but there's some stuff that disqualifies us from leadership. And nobody knows until they do. And then when they do, the effects, it's like throwing a rock in the water, and then once those ripples move, they move. This week or last couple weeks, I read story after story. And I say this with no sense of blame at all. But a parishioner who have lost their faith and walked away from God because the leader didn't live what they were preaching. And it wrecked my heart. Another lie is that sin will stay in place. Achan thought that he could take these things and advance his family's cause. Perhaps advance his tribe's cause. Somehow he he believed a lie that in taking these things he could hide them under his tent and use them for his selfish gain. Because sin's going to stay in place and you and I are living in a world with the consequences and the effect that sin never stays in place. And sin always affects the innocent, not often. It affects everybody, but it has deep consequences on those who are innocent in times. The final sin is that, the final lie I should say is that personal sin won't become others' pain and this just isn't true. Because in all of our lives, sin always roots either in outright lies or half-truths, which again are the same thing as whole lies. 
So the children of Israel come up against a city called Ai. It's so small, it only has two letters, A-I. That's it. They've just, by God's, by God's might and their obedience, they have just conquered Jericho. I mean, that is like the city of cities. And then they come across this piddly one called Ai. They spy out the land, but it's so small and so insignificant that Joshua sends 3,000 men. No prayer. No inquiring of the Lord. Fresh off the, off the victory of Jericho, Ai is nothing. If you read the Gospels, you can pick Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you can absolutely see with clarity that Jesus warns his church about the dangers of success much more than he does the challenge of suffering. In suffering, we are often close to God, but in success, we push God away. And here's what we see when the children of Israel faced Jericho. It was too big. They needed God. And then they right-sized Ai. And here's what it says. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 5, it says, The men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Sherebim and struck them at the descent. And it says that the hearts of the people melted and became like water. And so at the time, Joshua is the leader. He's befuddled. He tears his clothes as a sign of repentance, and he cries out, and I think it's fascinating how God responds. The Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. Specifically now, God says, they have taken some of the devoted things and they have stolen and they have lied and they have put them among their own belongings. And in this single act of disobedience, they choose self over others, choose greed over generosity. It unleashes pain disunity, and destruction. And just like you, we can't simultaneously run in different directions, but oh, our heart pulls in simultaneously different directions constantly. Achan is caught. And Achan answers Joshua, truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. He's right. And this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar, a coat, just a devoted thing. It's not like he took a bad thing, just took a thing that wasn't his to take. It wasn't his, it was the Lord's. It was a devoted thing. It was to be brought to the Lord. And he took it. 200 shekels of silver. Now that's no small thing. That's a lot. But once again, he covets and he takes. He doesn't trust God to provide. He chooses, no, no, I'll be the provider for my tribe. I'll be the provider for my family. And so rather than letting God bless he takes. There's a very big difference between receiving and stealing. Very big difference. And a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. It says he coveted them and he took them. 
And he says, and see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. And so Achan falls short by choosing himself. And in love, God is going to render justice, not because he doesn't love Achan, but because he does. Because again, you can view this so individualistically. You can view it just through your own heart and mind, which is oftentimes the the human way, and it's also the way of hubris to be able to say, why should God be offended at this? But again, you and I have seen again and again and again and again in our lives, in our culture, wherever you want to look, that sin left unchecked never stays in place, always destroys whatever it is it touched, always multiplies, always grows. And so for God here, he is going to render justice. So Achan, yeah, he, he's not, he doesn't confess, but he's caught. He's found out. But by the time he's caught, it says in the word that 36 men lose, have lost their lives. The consequence is it that there are 36 perhaps you know, women who have lost spouses. Kids have lost fathers. People have lost friends. That which Achan thought he could control is now uncontrollable. The very thing that he was deluded and deceived into, I can touch this and there's no consequence. All of a sudden now there are ripples of consequences that are now that are outside of his control. There's nothing now that he can do for these 36 families that perhaps have lost loved ones. There's There's nothing he can do as a result of his act of disobedience. And under the law, the sin of Achan must be atoned for, and God renders justice as Achan and his entire family lose their lives. Remember, and you hear me with all of your heart through the lens of love, God either atones for sin or he punishes sin. He never ignores or condones sin in our lives. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What is the big deal about moving through a city and maybe taking one of the ways that they do or one of the idols that they have? Here's the thing, is you can create any idol you want. God is the ultimate creator of heaven and earth. Idols are merely created things. Why would we worship created things rather than the creator of all things? But you and I do it constantly in our hearts and lives that we are pulled And we see again, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So even in our hearts and lives, did you know that every single human being is created in the image and likeness of God? And so when we touch one another, we are touching devoted things. They're God's, not ours. When you and I have hatred in our hearts and we can begin to look out at different ethnicities with hatred, and injustice, or be blind or indifferent to the injustice that they experience. It's, it is as though we just don't care about the things that God cares about in the way that we should. And part of that is the reckoning that we're experiencing. But we as a church have to wrestle through. Genesis chapter 1, we have to wrestle through. Gen- or Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We have to wrestle through. Is God the creator of who we are or do we self-define who we are? These are things that we are wrestling through and we must wrestle through. There are things in our lives, for example, and again, none of us are perfect. We all touch 
things that we shouldn't touch. We all transgress. We all have behavior that's crooked. There's iniquity. We all fall short. God may give me $10 and in a season I don't return one back to him. All he asks for is 10% back, but my heart says, no, I need everything. God, I don't trust you as provider. I'm the provider of my family. It's the same spirit of Achan. It's the same thing where he says, there's seven days in a week, but one day, one day is holy. One day I want you to die to yourself. Don't do what you want to do and gather, whether it's here or at home during a pandemic, I get it. But once again, what does the culture begin to push at? The culture begins to push at, there are no sacred days. Everything is just a work day. The spirit of the culture pushes in on the heart of the church and we have to wrestle with devoted things. Are we touching them or are we leaving them as holy to the Lord? And when I look at it, I'm not saying you're an Achan, I'm saying I'm an Achan. Because I can't look at the entirety of my life and say that every single thing that God said, don't touch, I haven't touched. The leader of this time I mentioned a moment ago, his name is Joshua, which in Hebrew means Yahweh is salvation. But Jesus is our better Joshua. And so let me take you quickly to a table with Jesus and his 12 disciples. One of the disciples of Jesus, his name is Judas. And he has a specific name, a son of perdition a son of destruction, a son of Karim. And similarly to Achan, although entirely different, he takes 30 pieces of silver as a payment to betray Jesus. But the call on Judas's life, think about it. Out of all the people walking the earth that time and season, he is one of the 12 who was called to be more like Jesus. And he exchanges that call for something so temporal. And at this supper, just like the story we read in the Old Testament, nobody is aware of what Achan had done until it was revealed, brought to light. The same in the new. Nobody, none of the other 12 were aware at the table with what Judas has done. But the same God in the Old Testament we see who sees and knows all things, I gotta stay in the aquarium here. The same God in the Old Testament who sees and knows all things is the same one that we see in the person of Jesus who knows specifically what he's done. saying a few moments ago, oh, what a savior. And this morning, my heart is undone. Because knowing what Judas is just about to do, what he's already done with the 30 pieces of silver, but what he's about to do in betrayal, Jesus still kneels down and he washes the feet of his betrayer. Jesus says in John 13, 10 to 11, he said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet 
but is completely clean. And you who are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. I understand theologically that Judas was a son of Karam, a son of destruction. I understand in the whole scheme what was playing out here. But I love to see the heart of Jesus bring it up at the table, not hide it away. Judas isn't the only one who was about to betray Jesus. So was Peter. And if you know the story, Jesus at that same supper speaks truth to Peter. Peter, this is who you really are. The creator of heaven and earth looks at created Peter and says, this is who you think you are, but this is who you are. And Peter chooses in this moment the way of self-definition rather than to allow his life to be defined by the creator of heaven and earth. And if you don't think we're touching this in 2021, we got our fingerprints all over this. And Judas betrays Jesus with an act of friendship, with an act of love. He kisses him on the cheek. And again, in Jesus, we see love that is beyond comprehension. Same God, so sin must be atoned for. But rather than the ending for Peter, for example, or for us, rather than the ending of Achan, oh, but for the wonderful cross, Same God. Same love for the people of the world. Same love for you, whether you're here or at home. The same love he has for you. See, ultimately, it comes down to this. Do we believe, like in the garden, that God is holding out the good stuff of life? Do we believe it? Or do we believe that following the way of Jesus with every fiber in our being leads to life and flourishing? Because any and all sin is a failure to believe in my heart and your heart and our heart individually and collectively. It is when we fail to believe that God's way is the only way that leads to life. It is then we choose things that we appear pleasurable and are pleasurable until... I'm sure for Achan, there were moments of pleasure knowing that perhaps his family, in his mind in that moment, his family's financial future had been secured by what he had taken. I'm sure there was moments of dreaming, what are we going to do with all of this? Not knowing that there's not just a season of sin, that there's pleasure, but then there's the consequence that comes with it. When it's uncovered, then what does it mean? And so Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But Judas also dies. Not through an act of necessarily justice, we see, but as the embodiment of sin. He takes his own life. The ultimate in this moment, I'm speaking specifically about Judas, the ultimate rejection of everything that he had watched for three and a half years. Jesus, live, be, and do. 
So don't tell me proximity to church equals access to the Father. It's not proximity to, it is presence in. Judas had the best seat in the house and he never let it in. Or he was deceived along the way. There's other instances that can't get into that. See, the end goal of God is always redemption, but the end goal of sin is always destruction. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. This is what Jesus has done for us, for our sin, for all sin. For while we are all responsible for the consequences of sin, Jesus pays the penalty for our sin. For God so loves you, in Hebrew, God so loves the people of the world. God so loves you. His motivation is love, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But whoever does what is true, here's what we do. We come to the light, so it may clearly seen that our works have been carried out in God. Even the unrighteousness can be seen. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, this, you know, the battle of Ai that we talked about is these two little words, Ai. It's the small little city. It's two words, two letters, I should say, Ai. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, there's also two words, if. It's a big, big, two little words, if, if we confess our sin. If we turn to Christ, if we allow him to forgive us, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us and to cleanse us, not from some unrighteousness, but all unrighteousness. He isn't just good, he is amazing. So confess our sin, come to the light. The Holy Spirit reveals, and it's the enemy's job to keep things concealed. So in closing, and I know you let me go over and I appreciate you allowing me to do that today. But what we're going to do in closing is I'm going to take a minute and I'm going to pray. And then we're going to change our posture. You don't have to. If you're able and you desire to, I think it's a powerful thing to do. Whether you're here or whether you're at home but we're gonna pray a very simple but powerful prayer. And then we're gonna get on our knees as a church. And we're going to individually and corporately repent. We're going to turn from sin and we're gonna to turn to Jesus, our Savior. Both are vital in this step. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this moment, Lord, we pray for a spirit of repentance to fall upon your church. Holy Spirit, is there specific sin in our life that you want to reveal so that we can be healed today? Bring it to our minds right now. Whether you're here at home, if you want to join me in a moment of repentance together, let's kneel. If you're able, if you're not, just you can remain seating. But if you're able and you, and you want to, let's just change our posture.
Heavenly Father, we confess that together as individuals, but also as a church, that there are things that are yours that we touch. And Father, we ask for your forgiveness. As the word says, Lord, we thank you that you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Father, in wrath that is righteous and true. Oh, as the church, we pray, Lord, we thank you that you remember because of the work of your son alone, that you remember mercy. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for how we speak against one another. Forgive us, Lord, for how we perhaps see one another. Forgive us for praying when we pray and live the prayer of the Pharisee that thank God I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Or Father, forgive us for the other side of the equation where we, in our foolishness, don't take the posture of a servant, but we want to sit at your right hand or your left hand. We want to be the best Christian, the most whatever. God, forgive us for the pride of both of those things. Father, would you forgive your church for caring more perhaps about our blessing and not enough about the brokenness in the world in which we live. That our hearts get wrapped up in our own lives and not necessarily the lost. Father, would you remind us of the truth that sin does not only have earthly consequences, it has eternal ones. So, Father, from this posture in place, we thank you that you are a covenant-keeping God. That we confess our individual and corporate sin before you. We confess the sin of slander, of gossip, of greed, of sexual immorality. We confess that we lie, that we cheat, that we steal, that we self-rationalize and justify. That in many ways we reflect our fallen Adam and not who we can be in you. Yet Lord, I thank you that you who have begun a good work in us is the same one. You're going to see it through to finish, to completion. And so, Lord, we want to partner with you. We want to submit to you. We want to surrender to you. We see you not only as Savior, but the leader, the Lord of our lives. And so, Lord, you have full leadership access to our hearts. Father, forgive us when we speak ill of your bride, when we tear down that which you were desiring to build up, when we are so quick to render our opinion and oftentimes so, so slow to pray. 
But Lord, I thank you once again that you're not finished yet. Father, in this season, may we not squander this season. Humble us, God. Lord, I pray that we will not just be obsessed with our rights, but Lord, that you would let a spirit of repentance fall upon us, God, so that we can consider our own righteousness or lack thereof. Together as Life Center, we call out for a move of you. We repent, Father, for sullying your name. Your name that is perfect and holy and beautiful, God. Father, we repent. Oh, we repent, Father. And we don't put a yoke of shame. But we do pull on a spirit of repentance, Lord. Father, we don't put on a yoke of legalism. But we do walk a narrow road that leads to liberty. And so, Lord, in humility, God, would you speak to us about everything in our hearts and lives that is not of you. Everything, Father, that is holding back a move that you want to do in the city, Lord. Jesus, we can't go a single day without you. And forgive us for trying. Oh, Father, we pray for our kids. Lord, we pray for our teenagers, God. Oh, God, we pray. For those between their 20s and 30s, 40s to 60s, and 70 to 100 plus, Father. We break the spirit of division in the name of Jesus. We break the spirit of pride in the name of Jesus. We break the inability that we have to hear one another in the name of Jesus. Father, forgive us for how we have treated those of different ethnicities. For the sin of injustice, both personal and systemic, God. For caring more about theories than we do human beings. Father, for how we treat life. Father, we can see as a culture, as a people, we have our hands on so many things that are yours. That you say very clearly, without ambiguity.
you're online, uh, you're free to go. We'll dismiss row by row. But if you want to just take a minute, the Lord's still got things that you got to confess or work out. I don't want to rush you. So thank you for joining us. I know I'm tucked behind here. And we'll let you out row by row. But if you want to stay just for a few minutes and just, you can let people go by safely. But you can just, you can just do business with the Lord. You can just let the Lord finish what he's doing. But if you have to go, then the Lord bless you.